Welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. This podcast is for teachers and parents who want to gain knowledge, perspective, and inspiration in the areas of literacy education and special education. Episode topics tend to focus on dyslexia, ADHD, literacy education, and mindful teaching. This podcast was created to build awareness for our nonprofit, Mindful Literacy Columbus. Check out the show notes to learn more and to get involved. Welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. Today I am sitting with Amy Hoying of the Second and Seven Foundation. Hi, Hi Amy. Hi, good to see you. Good to see you. I'm so thrilled that you found time to speak with us today. We met a little over a month ago and um, I remember sitting in, in second and seven around the table and we were all in tears and just the passion, I feel like crashed into each other and, and quite frankly grew bigger in me because I'm sure as you know, it can be a lonesome road starting a nonprofit and finding your way in this in the world of nonprofit. So I just, I thank you so much for the friendship and in partnership that we are figuring out as we go along. Oh my gosh, you're so welcome. And I'm happy to talk to you anytime. And I think we have such a shared passion and honestly, it feels indulgent for me anytime I get to talk about the Second and Seven Foundation, what we do, because we love it and we're, we believe in it so much. And we've seen um, through the years, over 20 years of the impact that it has, and we know we're making a difference. And I think coming out of such an emotional year, we just know how much more important the work that we do is. And so, like I said, I, I'll take any opportunity I can to talk about it. So thanks for having me. <laughs> of course, I would love to hear, um, I would love for the listeners to hear the story of how the Second and Seven Foundation got started. Sure. So in 1999, three um, gentlemen who played football for Ohio State um, started it. And they were motivated by the work that they did when they were in college. They were always encouraged to do volunteer opportunities. Um, And when they graduated, they just didn't want that work to stop. They knew that spending time with kids made a huge impact. You know, they admitted to having been told by their coaches, they had to go to something and maybe not being super excited about it, but then would get there and see that just spending time with these children and giving them a high five and reading a book with them really made their day, the kids and, you know, the, the football players. So they just knew they had a platform to do good and, and you know, were taught through the culture of Ohio State that they needed to pay it forward and wanted to do that. So um, they held a small football camp in 1999 and they took all the money they raised from that camp and they bought some books and then they started making phone calls and then they just started calling schools saying, hey, we want to come read to the kids and can we give them free books? And believe it or not, some people were like, what are you talking about? No, no, thank you. But eventually people got it. People understood that they were just trying to do some good. And that first year they raised enough money to read to all of the second graders in seven schools. And that's how second and seven got its name. Also being a key down and distance term in football, they thought it's a perfect name for it. Um, They did decide to focus on second grade well before, you know, the third grade guarantee kind of lingo was 
in our world. And just knowing that when kids are eight years old, they're highly influential, highly, it's a highly impactful time in their lives. Some of the memories and experiences that are formed around that age stay with them for a long time. So they did some homework to land on second grade. So um, that has been our core since we started in 1999. So um, fast forward to today, we now write our own books. We've been doing that for 14 years now. We write a new book every year. And those are the kids or the books that we give to the kids across the country. Um, so to date, we've given out well over 600,000 books to kids through our reading um, literacy program. And obviously, um, Ryan, Mike, and Luke, our co-founders, aren't the ones doing all of the readings now. We have a whole army of student athletes um, from the Ohio State University and other high schools and colleges in Ohio, but all across the country. We're in about 26 states. That is incredible. Yeah, it's so it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's it's summing up over 20 years of work in, in a few minutes. But yeah, that's kind of an, a, a summary for you. I love it. And right before we were hitting record, you were saying just in August or September, you're getting ready to give 15,000 books. Like you were printing off in sending 15,000 books. Yes. Well, we already have them printed. So our office and some of our great partners that store books for us, um, we have boxes galore ready to go out. You know, it's kind of like an, an army ready to go, ready to be deployed of reading and literacy tools. So yeah, I think after this past school year that we had and with the beginning of the school year, teachers are just energized. You know, we missed last year. Um, we miss being with the kids and in some places we might not still be able to be with them. We might be reading with them virtually, but people are contacting us left and right. So just in the month of August alone, we shipped over 15,000 books to kids that are going to be a part of a reading program. So that means they don't just get a book. That means a student athlete role model will read with that child give them the book, talk to them about the lesson in the book, talk to them about the importance of reading and of school and just of persistence. And, and we put um, life lessons in all of our books. So we have 14 years of life lessons that are anything from making healthy choices and being a good sport to teamwork and paying it forward and kindness is contagious. So we have really fun themes in our books that the student athlete volunteers get to, get to talk to the kids about as well when they get those books. That's so important. Um, what? So I have a few questions. And I know that you and I have talked about this before, but just for our listeners, what do the relationships look like between the student athletes and the second graders? Oh my gosh. I mean, we always say if we could have journaled, we should have tried and wrote a book um, for the past 20 years because every week that we visit kids is, is different. But I can tell you, you know, when the student athlete volunteers walk in a classroom to see the wow, because, you know, a lot of these athletes are larger, tall, strong, you know, and kind of an impressive sight to see when they walk in. But then they get down on the floor, they sit down in the little mini desks with the kids and just talk to them and they break the ice and just talk about when they grew up, they talk about a favorite book they had when they were in second grade and 
you should see the kids, their faces light up when they say a title that is one of their favorites too. Um, so we share a lot about favorite books. And then we talk a lot about, you know, that no matter what there's, especially here in Columbus, you know, it's some of the best student athletes in the country going to Ohio State University, right? So they reiterate to these kids, but guess what? If I didn't work hard in school and I didn't read every day, and if I didn't get good grades, no matter how good I am at my sport or the team that I'm on, I don't get to play and I don't get to participate. So it all starts right here. No matter what you want to do in your life, you have to be able to read. It's the fundamental for everything. And it's something that I think for us at Second and Seven, we really try to get people to not take for granted the illiteracy rates in our community. Um, people think about reading and books and think, oh, that's sweet. You know, they're giving them a book and they have this fire by the sitting by the fire image of reading a book on the lap of a grandparent. But the reality is there are a lot of kids in our community that don't own one age appropriate book in their homes. So those moments between the kids and the student athletes are very, very memorable for some of these kids. I can imagine. Um, I think too, like it's so important to have these positive archetypes in our lives. So to think, oh, you know, he's giving me a book and he says it's important. Like just planting this seed, um, maybe whether that's the one book that they get from the Second and Seven Foundation sparks them to say, hey, can you take me to the library <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we use that all the time with in Second and Seven is planting seeds. And that's what we're doing. I mean, you know, we've seen thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of kids throughout the years, and we will never know the true impact of our time with them or the true impact of what a book is doing for them. But we are so confident that it is making a difference and we are planting seeds that you know, so many good things to come for those kids. And, and, you know, the work that other organizations do, the work that you do, I mean, no one can do this alone. And we would never claim to be, you know, eradicating illiteracy rates on our own. We know that it requires communities coming together and partnering and everyone doing their part to tackle illiteracy and to, you know, support each other and work together and know that kids need us now more than ever. Yeah, needing it now more than ever is, it's an understatement, I think, um, for anybody who is familiar with the achievement gap that exists, has existed. I feel like now, even now, we're seeing even more of a gap, which is heartbreaking. Yeah, um, it, it really is. I mean, I, we always encourage people that want to get involved in second and seven to see some of our readings and some of the kids, you know, we're talking about kids that maybe going to school is, you know, the only safe place that they have in their lives to, you know, feel comfort, feel supported, get a meal, um, feel a sense of community. So we're dealing with, um, so many issues and then you put in everything that, um, you know, happened the past year and a half and is still continuing to impact kids. And you just, you just think of those kids, the most vulnerable and what is happening with them. You know, for us, we always take those kids when we think about our mission and we need to kind of fan the flame for other people as we think about those kids and where are they and are they safe? And 
can we do better? Can we give them more resources? I think we have this vision of some of those kids in our minds when we set out to do projects. You know, I know last year when kids were sent home from school, we thought we have to get books. Where are these kids? We have to find them. So we immediately started partnering with, you know, shelters, food pantries, um, just community centers where we know kids were going to be to get books to them. And then we also thought, you know, we got to get our books online. So we immediately put all 14 of our books available online for free for kids anywhere at any time. So they constantly have access to a literacy tool, to a book that's for them. It's age appropriate. It's fun. So all of our books are available online for free. We even did some readings, some recorded readings. So kids can sit down or get cozy in their bed with their tablet and get a story time from a local um, community member or kind of quote unquote celebrity or an athlete. But we have lots of our books being read online too, activity pages. So again, we're always just thinking about those kids that access might be a problem and they just need that extra encouragement, um, especially times like this. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the one of the things we always have to think about in terms of education is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, you know, if you're not getting your basic needs taken care of, of course, it makes sense that your academic needs are not also being met if you're not in the headspace and ready to learn. Right. I think, you know, I mentioned our books and our themes and it's just weird how life happens sometimes, but the theme of the book that we were releasing for last year when the kids weren't in classrooms was talking about your feelings. And we thought, wow, what an amazing topic for you know, members of the lacrosse team or the rowing team or the synchronized swimming team, they're on a screen like you and I are today. And they're, and they're reading this book, but then they're saying, Hey guys, you know, and they're sitting there, a lot of them with their masks on, you know, this is kind of a scary time for us too, or it's a confusing time for us too, or, you know, whatever it is, but the theme of the book was about feelings. So for them to have that opportunity to see themselves in these student athletes. You know, these kids are eight years old and we have no idea what's going on in their minds and in their hearts, but for them to say, see these college athletes or high school athletes going through the same questions and and feeling the same uncertainty in their lives right now, it was just such an inspirational and moving year to witness the relationships. Um, And I think it went well beyond literacy um, it went to comfort and community and, um, yeah, it meant a lot to us. Yeah. I, in this really, like, really great role modeling in how you deal with unprecedented times and feelings you've met, maybe never had before. Right. Um, right. And, and then for them to be able to say, look, it's not that you haven't been through it. No one on the planet has been through it. So, I mean, if nothing else, take comfort from that, right? Yeah, totally. So what is one of your favorite themes? Is that your the book with your favorite theme? Oh my gosh. You know, those of us that help write these books, we always say like, it's so hard to pick a favorite because they're all such a labor of love and we were so passionate about it. Um, I couldn't pick a favorite, but because last year I've never seen a theme 
be more needed in such a strong, um, influential way as it was during the shutdown of schools. I mean, like I, we're, we're very, some might say it's cheesy, but we're very lead by the heart and good things were happen. And, and we've been like that since the second and seventh foundation started in 1999. If you make decisions with your heart, good things will happen. And we, we can give testament to that year after year after year. And I think it was no accident that that theme of that book was for kids and sharing their feelings in a time when they needed it the most. So that year meant a lot to, to all of us. I love it. I'm writing this down. I always like to put quotes out for our podcast viewers and lead with your heart, I think is, it's reassuring to hear you say that, you know, good things happen because I am so, that's how I operate with the Mindful Literacy Columbus. So good. Yeah, I know you do. And I know, you know, when we had the opportunity to talk before and hearing about all the good work that you do and, and, and always remembering, and that's another thing for us too, you know, you're not going to impact everyone, but you are going to impact somebody. And it gets overwhelming at times when you see the need because you think, how can I match the need? But you can't, one person can't, but you can help with some of it. Right. And it's that planting seeds. You'll never know the true impact and where that's going to go, but know that you're making a difference. And, and that's what inspires and keeps you going. Cause you see, you know, that's why we miss the classroom so much and we can't wait to get back in the classrooms, but those hugs and the high fives from the kids and then the letters they write to us, please come back or we love you. Or can I get another book or please write another book or, you know, those thank yous for us. There's nothing, there's no higher praise in the world than what we get from the kids. Absolutely. Um, can you talk a little bit about the writing and illustrating process? Yeah. So we have so much fun with that. Um, uh, there are four of us that write the books together and we've been doing it the whole time. We have a lot of fun together. We kind of have, you know, the brainstorming session, where we um, come up with the ideas and the outline and then we write and then we kind of go back and forth through the years. We've used our kids as some of the um, most critical <laughs> editors of our books because, you know, the kids have a lot of opinions as they've grown. Sometimes they some of them are too old because they they're, you know, what does this make sense? It doesn't make sense. And we tell them, you know, we're writing these for eight year olds, remember, so <laughs> we have to stay appropriate. Um, our illustrator, it's the same awesome guy who's been illustrating our books the whole time. Um, he was my neighbor for gosh, over a decade. Um, we've since both moved off the original street, but when we first come, came up with the idea of, Hey, we could write these ourselves. And that way every kid gets the same book. You know, it's none of that, like, Oh wait, I want that one. I want that one. Or, you know, every kid across the country gets the same book. And we thought we're not selling them. So it's, essentially a printed piece that we can put together. We have enough resources around us um, and enough talent around us that we can write these. And like I said, we got connected with our awesome illustrator and we just have a lot of fun doing it. And um, our first book was called The Hog Mollies and the Pickle Pie Party. And that came out in 2006, 2007. Um, and that theme was teamwork. And because that was our first book, we all kind of went, well, huh, 
pickle pie party with the P alliteration, we went with the alliteration. So every one of our books since then has been an alliteration. So we have Troy's Top Troop and um, Great Golden Gizmo and Zooming Zackelzoit and Big Birthday Bash. And so we always have, we always, you know, use a letter. So our goal is to get through the whole alphabet. Um, so we'll see how that goes when we have to get to X. We're not going in order though. We're kind of just going with what works for the year, but we have a lot of fun with that. Awesome. When do you start? When do you start in the year and the yearly cycle? You said you put a, a new book out every year. When do you start that brainstorming process and how long does it take you all to write the book? So we'll start um, the brainstorming probably like in October, November. Um, and then we get really serious about writing the first of the year and into the spring. And then that book comes out in June. So we try to get a really strong outline, um, the theme and the, in the context of the book um, before we go. And then we sit down with our illustrator and just kind of give our vision with the words. Um, and then he takes it and does some sketches and starts laying the text out. So we get together again and we kind of just, does this work here? Do we move this here? And um, so, you know, we meet pretty regularly between that during that time. And we have shared files where we're all just kind of making edits. But then we really clean up the text. Um, I would say, you know, like March to have a pretty good. And then March, April, um, we're just fine tuning and really tweaking. And then we get it off to the printer and um, usually have it in our hands in June. Awesome. So I'm wondering too, I asked a question about the relationships that athletes have with students. What, tell me about the relationship second and seven has with the schools you're in. Oh yeah. So because we started here in Columbus, Ohio, we have a great relationship with Columbus city schools. Um, the teachers, the principals, um, the librarians, literacy intervention specialists. So we, I think now, you know, we used to be, you know, 15, 20 years ago where we're calling schools asking, can we come and read? Now they're signing up at the beginning of the year for a visit from us. Um, so we love and value the relationships we have with the teachers. You know, a lot of our book themes we get from teachers. You know, I can think of an instance in particular where I had athletes in a school and I was standing in the back of the classroom and the teacher pulled me aside and she said, when they're done talking about this book, do you think that you can talk to the kids, tell the athletes to talk to the kids about making healthy choices? A lot of the kids in this particular school happened to come from um, refugee camps and their, um, you know, whether there were language barriers, obviously financial issues, but just what was affordable and accessible to them were, was not healthy. And so they really wanted the athletes to talk to the kids about feeding their bodies and feeding their minds and fueling them for learning and for growth. And so we just kind of went, huh, maybe we need to write a book about making healthy choices. So the next year we did, it was called the Hog Mollies and Huddles Healthy Halo, where the um, characters zoom off to a different planet to learn about hygiene or healthy choices or exercise or sleep. So um, a lot of times it's the teachers in the schools that give us the inspiration. 
Um, I think a lot of the teachers, you know, they know they can call on us at any time if they have kids in need or if they know they want to get books to kids, they call on us to maybe um, provide books for their library when we come for a reading, um, but also use us as a resource for other great community organizations. So we've worked with a lot of organizations through the years, you know, that want to help kids in schools or help teachers, and we're able to share um, what we know. So we really value um, those relationships. And then I think across the country, you know, we have some programs that have been running for a long time. And so as the years go on, those relationships get stronger and stronger. And, and then what happens is if those teachers move to a new school or a new state, um, they call us and say, can we bring this program here? And we say, absolutely. I say that most of our growth across the country in the past 20 years has been situations like that. It's been a teacher, a principal, a student athlete, who has been involved in second and seven moving and then saying, wait a minute, we can do this here. And we said, absolutely. Our goal is to never say no. Like we can always ship books. If they meet the criteria of student athletes, high school or college student athletes, reading to second grade kids, we'll send them all the books. Awesome. I was going to ask how, how can you schools get started with you? Yeah. So yeah, they can. Go ahead. Yeah, they can visit our website. So we have not only for schools to sign up there, but also um, student athletes. So if you're a high school or a college student athlete, you can sign up to volunteer on our website as well. What? So I'm wondering, is it a one-to-one correspondence between athlete to second grader? No, not all the time and probably not most of the time. Um, Obviously, that would be ideal. Our goal is always the smallest ratio possible. Um, And when we can get a classroom with a, you know, a team that goes in and maybe, you know, each athlete has maybe a small group of two to three kids, we love that. Because as you know, working with little kids and and honestly, with the the student athletes, sometimes they're intimidated. Um, Even though it's an eight-year-old audience, they can get intimidated talking to them. So if we get them into smaller groups, you know, the, the young kids are comfortable, the volunteers comfortable, they might have better conversations, more honest and open and real conversations. So that's always our goal is to get those ratios as small as we can. Now, when we first started, I mean, my goodness, I can remember sending an athlete or two into read to an entire, you know, the, all of the second graders in a school. So maybe that was four or five classrooms. So it'd be like an assembly like thing where they're reading. So, you know, it's still an impactful moment and all of those kids still get books, but it's not ideal. We want small groups if we can. Yeah. Um, I know you and I have talked about some um, ideas that we have on how we can collaborate. And I think the small groups, the smaller the groups, the better in terms of providing some enrichment and even remediation for the kids in the moment. So good to know. Yeah. Okay. I, I am wondering from you, Amy, what has been the biggest challenge for second and seven? Um, you know, there's a lot of diff. So there, there are challenges on the side of what our mission is, you know, challenges with just literacy and are we doing enough? And are we making a difference enough? And is there more we can do that? I, but I think that's a challenge that will continually 
fuel us and will continually be there. Um, so it's probably a good challenge maybe to have. Um, but, you know, then there are the challenges of just growing a small nonprofit. And we definitely referred to um, our growth a lot of times as having growing pains because it's so personal what we do and what we have done for so long. And so kind of opening up, you know, even as we grew, we didn't have staff for a long time. And when we did, oh my goodness, we have an amazing team. And when we did add staff, I just can't even tell you how much it grew the program and just it was able to enrich everything that we've done. And every time we've added a person, now we have five full-time staffers. Um, the foundation has been so much better for it. And, and so it was hard at first, but um, I think again, we've, we've landed on this crew, this crew of five that they're just awesome people to work with and their hearts are all in the right place too. Um, Cause growth can be scary sometimes and opening up can be scary sometimes. But, um, you know, we've gotten through those times and it's been, it's been amazing. I think, you know, it goes without saying last year was a challenge. We want to get back in the classrooms. We miss the hugs and we miss the high fives. And we know that nothing can replace the smiles and those live interactions with kids. They need to see us. They need to, you know, feel that comfort. And, and, and we do too. We do too. So, I can't imagine a bigger challenge than the one we've all just faced together. But I think if we just continue to try to grow and adapt and just always have the kids in our mind and, and as a priority, um, then we'll always get through these things together. Um, and just, you know, day by day, day by day, doing the right thing. I think you just um, outlined your next book. um learning how to grow adapt keep relationships at the heart center of what we do and take things day by day that's yeah it's a great (laughs) i'm sorry you have a d book i know we do it's called the dream discovery day um but you know you never know we could name a character for you know something else there's all kinds of trust me we figured it out after 14 years of you know, coming up with titles and concepts that there's workarounds. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. So now I want to hear what are you most proud of? What has been the second and seven's greatest success? Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm just so proud to still be a part of this organization that's been around for 20 years. I mean, I think when I first got involved, um, just a few years after Ryan and Mike and Luke started it, I think none of us dreamt that it would be where it is today. I think, you know, we were reading to kids in Columbus City Schools and Southwestern City Schools, and that was really it. And um, we got Ohio State to come on board, and they said, you know, we want student athletes from Ohio State out reading to kids. So we were in our nice little, you know, 270-ish bubble, reading to kids, giving away books. And, um, you know, things happened. Coaches started to leave and say, hey, now I'm in North Carolina. Can I do this here? And we went, hmm, sure. And um, then Ryan um, Miller, one of our co-founders, spoke an alumni thing in Albuquerque and 
somebody came up to him and said, wait, can I start this here? And we said, sure. And then more and more just situations like that or stories like that to fast forward to today being in 26, 27 states and over 200 programs, I think it blows my mind when we think about it. Um, and I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of, you know, our ability to just keep going and, and, and continue to be able to raise the funds to support that program and the program growing. Um, I think our, you know, our model isn't complicated. It's student athletes reading to second graders and give them a book. And I think keeping that model simple yet impactful has allowed us to grow. So, I mean, I'm just so proud of the fact that we can continue to grow, you know, that we've written and, you know, have this library of books now. I mean, it's just, we had to just build, actually this week, we had just build a new um, inventory system in our computer, our com on our computers that we, you know, we went from, you know, I had a spreadsheet <laughs> for inventory for books because I didn't have to track that much. But now there's no way any of us can track it. We've literally have, you know, tens of thousands of books that we're shipping out to kids all over the country. And I think we're just so in it every day that even you asking that question took me off guard to like, you know, I'm going to sit back and think about it. I'm like, wow, that's a pretty big deal. It's pretty awesome. It's, it's a really big deal that, you know, I'm a data person. So I'm like, yeah, 26 states, 200 programs, 600,000 books. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. Um, so where can listeners find find you and get connected, whether they want to donate or volunteer or get involved to any capacity? Yeah. Be on the receiving end. Yeah. Well, we um, our website has everything. So our events, our volunteer opportunities, the reading program side, um, it, it has so much. So it's secondand7.com and it's all spelled out. So S-E-C-O-N-D-A-N-D-S-E-V-E-N.com. Um, obviously follow us on social media. Um, our social media is getting better and better by the day. Um, I will admit it's not because of me. It's because of people that are much better and younger. Um, but we actually just started a junior board made up of a lot of former student athlete volunteers and they're helping us with that. So, um, that is the best way, but following us on social media gives you the most up-to-date and um, we're getting better at posting, you know, what's going on on our day to day and, um, all the events we have throughout the year to help raise money. Um, we have awesome partners. We have amazing board members who have been with us a long time and are passionate about what we do. And, you know, we can never do this without them. I have enjoyed so much getting to know you and I'm so excited for you all to be back in school this fall and this year. And I can't wait to see how we can lift each other up. Um, I know you talked about one of your main fundraisers was the original fundraiser, the football camp for kids. And you, we were talking about how we can combine forces and do our, our writing camp the football camp this coming summer in 2022. So I can't wait to, to grow that with you. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for bringing that to our attention. But having this follow-up camp where it couples the 
football skills with literacy skills. It's kind of, it was kind of a duh. <laughs> Why didn't we do this sooner? But we needed you to bring that concept to us. And I'm so excited to get this outlined with you. And I think it's really going to be impactful for a lot of kids. Yeah. Can't wait. So thank you again for your time and Amy, good luck with the second and seven foundation. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me talk about something that you know, obviously means so much to us. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. We are so grateful to have you as part of our community. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow, download, and share this episode. You can also like, tag, and follow Mindful Literacy Columbus on Facebook, mindful.literacy.columbus, and on Instagram at mindful.literacy.practice. We love creating these episodes and hearing from you. May you be inspired and energized and share this love with those in your care. Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and at peace. <laughs>